it's Sarah here and welcome to Served With Love, a podcast with a mission to elevate and celebrate depth through conversations, theme chats, Q&As and more. I'm keen to give your depth and my depth a powerful platform to jam all in the service of love. Thank you for being here today and thank you for being served with love. Hi everyone, welcome back to Serve With Love. Thanks for being here. Today I have a beautiful guest joining me. We are together in person in the studio recording this, which is an absolute delight. Let me introduce you to her first before we dive into this, what I feel is going to be incredibly insightful uh, little chat. So hang on to your hats. Mia is a neuroenergetic kinesiologist with a passion for supporting others on their path to finding truth. Her practice is built around the wisdom she has gained from personal experience. And Mia believes in promoting the expansion of our collective consciousness through loving awareness and the arts. Creativity is a huge part of Mia's self-expression and this comes through in all aspects of her life. Welcome, Mia. So lovely to have you here. Hi, thanks for having me. That sentence in there, I just want to point to, because that's a big sentence. That feels like mm-hmm. a big um, soul kind of uh, mission, promoting the expansion of our collective consciousness through loving awareness and the arts. What does that mean mm-hmm. to you? Just Yeah, it's actually my slogan for my business that I use on my website, Okay, but without the arts bit. Um, for me, it's looking inwards in order to raise our vibration or expand our um, intelligence as a consciousness rather than um, looking outwards in a kind of save the world um, way. Yeah, yeah. Um, So, yeah, I guess that's. And that legacy obviously comes from your own experience and sense of that being whether. Yeah, 100% because it's. um, love that loving awareness concept is everything that's how Mm -hmm. we grow Mm -hmm. in every way it's um you can't like hate yourself into a version that you love you have to do it in a loving way Mm. um and awareness is is um loving in that way too Mm. I think it's a beautiful scaffold to have for your life and for your business I love that so we are chatting today around this concept of the beauty of grief and I mean grief is inevitable uh, no one misses grief because it is obviously a direct reflection of love and as an uh, an evolved species we're here to really understand the concept of love and you've just discussed that with that loving awareness kind of piece the beauty of grief and the way that we've titled it is a really oxymoron isn't it because it's like how can grief be beautiful but it really sums up you Mia it sums up your ability your want your desire your mission to welcome all flavors of the emotional spectrum and I mean that's not easy uh, and I've really witnessed you over the last little while embrace that uh, really courageously and that's why I'm so excited around this chat this discussion because I think there's going to be a lot of depth a lot of wisdom and a lot of learnings that we can point to around this experience of embracing the flavors of the emotional spectrum in such a heavy kind of concept of grief where I want to start with this uh, chat is around your personal path towards the concept of grief 
And it's kind of laden in this recognition of your own fear of death and impermanency. And that's obviously impacted how you've met grief through your life. What's the background of this fear of death and impermanency for you? How how has it kind of risen up for you? Yeah, it's always been there, the fear of death. Um, Being raised Catholic was definitely something that added to it. Uh, I was a bit of an insomniac kid, so I would lie awake till and I'm not too sure if it was I was insomniac because I was completely existential or the other way around I was had all this existential dread therefore I was couldn't sleep I'm not too sure but either way I thought about it a lot when I was like maybe seven wow yeah um and it was yeah something that's kind of always been a driving force for my truth-seeking nature Mm -hmm. um for for a for a while actually I think it was fear that was you know really um driving my my need for spiritual searching and stuff like that um what can I ask was the indoctrination of that fear of death and and the aspect of the the lens of Catholicism Mm. was that tangible was that very in your face or was it just something you felt in your environment like Mm. was it obvious to you that that was an influence or was it something that you were just brought up ingrained with? I was pretty ingrained with it because I was baptized when I was a kid. You know, I think I was going to mass since I was in the womb. Like it right. was just always a part of, I can't actually imagine a life without having that background. Mm. I, I find it really hard to fully disconnect from it. Mm-hmm. It's a framework. Um, it's a framework. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Um, but it's not necessarily a bad framework to have. I don't think at all. Um, it gave me actually quite a lot of insight, um, but it just doesn't align with me anymore, mm-hmm. um, which we'll probably get into a bit later. But um, So you can see where that ingrainment, that that kind of framework did influence your fear of oh, totally. impermanency. Yeah. yeah. It, I mean, because it wasn't just thinking about what happens after we die. What if there's nothingness? Like that was a big part of it. But it was also, oh, but what if I'm burning in flames in hell for eternity ever and ever and ever? And it's just this, like, the most terrifying, horrific thing to think about as a seven-year-old is trying to grasp eternity alongside burning in flames for it. Like, it's just so intense. And I think that's an important uh, distinction, the intensity of it, because I think naturally we're all born with this mechanism of survival and we understand that that death is inevitable and and we focus on how to stay alive and that that is a natural kind of concept for us being being human but I think that what you've just expressed there is is what distinguishes it as as a, a leading fear for you I know I've talked in podcasts previously that all of my guests have kind of pulled a pencil out of the pencil box around what wound or what samskara has really played a massive role in their growth and development and that's where we can see yours you know that it's distinguished from everyone's natural fear of death and dying because you know we're in a world that leads to disorder naturally everything does die but yes that that lens of it from the framework that you're brought up with has played obviously a significant impact into that yeah definitely so that's led you in a different direction yeah so when I was late high school well when I was probably mid high school like was very devout Catholic I actually kind of went 
towards it and really um, dived into youth groups and I was doing courses to become a missionary leader and all these things that were um, just, I was very Catholic. Um, And then when I started to have, you know, friends come out as gay and, you know, abortion was a big topic and all these really controversial things were coming up um, within the Catholic church in particular, Mm. be Catholic Mm. with these controversial topics. I, that was the thing that started to 180 me and I started to look elsewhere because their beliefs didn't align with mine. Um, And I think because I was raised in the Catholic church, I was also raised as someone to um, be quite diplomatic Mm. and um, see all sides of things as well. So I'm I'm really grateful for that because um, yeah, there was, there was definitely a lot of beliefs there that I didn't align with. And I, it, I think it took a, a decent amount of courage um, to start looking other places. And, and I started looking in um, Eastern philosophy, mostly because I started seeing you in sessions and coming to kinesiology. So that's where I um, took myself. Um, I think over time, though, doing that um, research in Eastern philosophy and, and the new age spirituality, I think it um, grew this is like kind of this spiritual ego in me um and that was something that I really found safety in for quite a while um yeah that's interesting that you 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 kind of um even articulate that and observe that because that's what that's the tendency of the path isn't it Mm. we do find that identity in something initially before we can have that safety enough to really filter out what is important what is Mm. what is not important but that's quite a common um, process and and in that arriving at this what you call the the spiritual ego or the master ideology is we also then um, can really intellectualize the concepts versus Mm. embody them Um, but it makes sense that you went from the dogmatic kind of concept of um, the catholicism and the, the framework of the church into then another framework Oh, totally. the same pattern. Yeah, yeah. Because I guess that's what, you know, I was used to was this logical explanation of what happens when you die and why do things happen? Why do, why does change happen and how do we handle it? And the easiest way to handle it is to grasp onto an ideology of some sort. Um, But it was, it is tricky, I think, to take that mask off of the spiritual ego because it's such a, it is a masked ideology. It's, tricky to see what's um an attachment of the ego and what's just truth exactly and you know thinking about you in the early sessions that we had together you were thirsty with that understanding like there was an Mm -hmm. obvious desire for you to understand it and really dig into it Um, but it takes that kind of time to be able to embody it you know we're all thinkers we're all feelers and we can be really conceptual and be able to talk about things, but from a very disembodied place because we haven't allowed ourselves to connect to the feelings of it. Real conceptualization, because there's a difference, like the discussion we're having to be able to talk about it, put words to it, put labels to it, speak really eloquently about it, but it comes from having been in the feelings of it. Mm. Like we can't talk about these concepts without having dropped into the 
actual sensations and feelings and the embodiment. And that's what makes the thinking or the intellectualization or the conceptualization or putting words to things different. There's got to be an embodiment of it, which means we have to have met the feelings of it. And that's yeah. been your path. Absolutely. And that's the whole kind of concept of our discussion today, because, and I love how this is tracking. We started with moving to the mast ideology, the spiritual ego, the understanding of it, the wanting to get to know Eastern philosophies, or wanting to see a different option than what you've been raised in. Mm. And then the slow movement down into your body. Mm. And this has happened particularly over the last little while because you then had to face death close to home. It came right up in front. The fears that you grew up with really came to um, make themselves known. And this changed everything about your view of life and impermanency. Tell us about that. Yeah, so... Well, for the people listening, I had a a close friend of mine die in a car accident at the end of last year, um, and she was 21. So it was just the most shocking, random and overwhelming experience I think I've ever had to face and and process. Um, And that was, yeah, that completely shook up that attachment to that ideology for me because I just went completely existential um I dropped kinesiology well that's all you knew you went back to the primacy yeah yeah totally um yeah and I just completely (laughs) just completely spiraled I guess into this kind of muddy depression and existential dread and I was just fearful of everything like massive concepts like time and movement and and everything became Mm. so unreal um but it was also one of the best things that I think has happened to me simultaneously which is a a weird thing to say that you know someone I love dying was the best thing to happen to me but because we need to be careful with reframing and I don't you're totally. not doing that there's a difference yeah, yes. totally um yeah I guess and I guess the best thing to happen to me is a interesting way to put it I guess it's part of the process um falling into that um of I guess learning how to trust myself mm. and learning to surrender to um the unknown um whatever that looks like um it invited you to welcome in a lot of feeling that you might previously have pushed away or found meaning in through a a framework or a dogma. Mm. You were forced to connect into new emotions, big emotions, um, like different emotions. It feels like the well, the wheels fell off in your understanding of life. I mean, something like losing a friend at that age unexpectedly would do that. And it's just, it's, it's cruel, mm. but you began listening to these feelings. You didn't bat them away. You recognized them. And this allowed the descent into your body and you began to really listen um, and I know this because I've obviously worked with you to that body's guidance around feelings and sensations and emotions on, in, on as a daily practice. Mm. Tell us about that. Yeah. So I was finding myself really um, trying to overcompensate these emotions with finding a, a logical answer for everything I was feeling and, and why she could have died and mm. what this means and 
um, what this means yeah and how this fits in with the work that I do and I did a I actually did a kinesiology balance with her um so I was trying to like grasp also like but I just did all this work with her and oh you know we um I, I saw her whole future and all this stuff that I was really feeling and I couldn't understand what how that could just be stripped and gone totally um but yeah it did really um leave me no option when I was in that spiral I kind of hit a point where I had to really with courage like really just look at my what I was feeling and I think that was something that you said Sarah was um you don't have to have a logical reason for a feeling you don't have to I'm you probably went it way more beautifully than that but um it was something like that um and that was something that was really life-changing advice for me because it allowed me to just see my emotions as almost a physical thing Mm. and it took me out of this um you know that real anxious spiral of problem solving a problem that can't be solved yes um the whole yeah yeah and I think that was definitely something that I I that wisdom I give to my clients too is that we don't have to always understand why we feel a certain way um but it's so important that we validate it and so important that we let ourselves feel it regardless of what it is and I think it it does get to a um a point over over time and and practice that you well for me I I stopped um judging as much Mm. what's a good feeling and what's a bad Mm. feeling they all just kind of became feelings and Mm. and emotions and it just is a process that happens rather than I'm having such a shit day today I feel so sad or I feel so um angry and all these negative emotions really became a negative experience Mm. um but then practicing this process of almost removing your mind from your emotions became really, really helpful. And I think it was definitely the, the, um, the way out of that depression for me was getting in that habit every day of um, if something would come up, you know, just even something so random, like I stubbed my toe and I was really angry, but I would just let myself feel it as an emotion and not try too hard to logically sit there and understand how, what I could do about it and et cetera. I think everyone listening would agree with me that what you've just said in the last couple of minutes is pretty massive. I can feel all the feels in my body around the importance of this. Um, so I'm, I'm going to slow it right down and we're going to step through it. M- me mm. is kind of expressing this idea of that feelings don't have to make sense. We don't have to put that logic, logical reasoning to them. And me, you started, it's huge. You started alluding to a little practice and it's almost stepwise that when a feeling comes in or a strong wave and I'll get you to, to finish it or, but mm. it's, I think if if you don't mind like just stepping through this process because it's actually a take home for everyone. I think there's real mm. power in this little process that got you through these big emotions, like almost like a prescription. Like so, let's start off. So the strong emotion or anxiety or feeling came up. What what what, do you, what did you do then? Yeah, I 
it just started with observation Hmm. um and and trying to remove any judgment around it of it being a good or a bad feeling yeah I think that's that's pretty important um because you probably wouldn't really benefit from the practice if you're sitting there going oh I feel like shit I feel like shit the whole time and then justifying it trying to justify exactly yeah so it's kind of it's observing um the emotion as a physical feeling yeah um taking your mind out of it in a way so you're asking yourself the questions of how does this emotion physically feel does my throat feel all tight and my stomach's churning and whatever the emotion is how does it physically feel and I think doing that it it is like a logical way of looking at emotion but it it takes you out of the really acute um experience of it Mm. so it's not completely overwhelming and Mm. and this other almost anxious way of logically explaining it well it brings you into your body doesn't it accessing the the reality of it the the real feelings and separating it from the story which Mm. is powerful yeah and then I would say looking at that emotion feeling it and and allowing it to be there is is validating it um and I think you can definitely consciously validate it as well and and look at it with love and um, begin to, I think, and uh, this definitely comes with practice of doing it, but over time I think you begin to see that all of these emotions and if it's fear or guilt or, you know, even one that you don't have a, a label for, it's just a random feeling, um, they all stem from a place of love mm. in some sort. Um, it might just be represented differently. Um, but I think all of those expressions that your body is making come from a place of love originally. Um, a reflection of love. Yeah, mm. a, a reflection of love, yeah. sure. Um, yeah, and then I would say find a channel for it mm-hmm. in whatever way that suits the feeling. Mm. If it feel, And that's something you could definitely just almost intuitively tap into is what what how does this make me what does this make me feel like doing right now does it make me want to go boxing or go to the gym or write a story or cry or cry 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 (laughs) yeah that was yeah definitely the best Mm. outlet crying for grief um but yeah I guess it works for most emotions even happy emotions true positive emotions it's true um and even just stepping through that now you I I don't know if you can feel it too but the vibrations even shifted of acknowledging the heaviness of the feelings we've been talking about grief um but then to to remember how much it's wrapped up in love always the source comes from that source and and then the the outlet is is really important there to let it go Mm. I, I, I'm big into this whole kind of concept around integrating our experiences and we can't integrate our trauma or our processes or grief or big emotions or whatever it is until we find a level of safety in our body, our nervous system, our kind of path, whatever it is. But then that invites us to, to almost digest, to digest mm-hmm. the feelings. And it's similar to what you're kind of saying here to allow them to be there, digest it. And then we can move into that, the learning, the wisdom. And it's certainly a path that I've witnessed you traveling. So that expansiveness, that that recognition, that process that you birthed out of all of this, 
it's moved you to a path of greater equilibrium, greater balance. I mean, you're a Libran as well. So that's gorgeous that you always find your way here. But tell me about the emotional equilibrium that you can now access because of these tools, Mm -hmm. this awareness and the journey you've been on. Mm. I think that doing this practice, that step-by-step even, um, or even just validating grief. Right, it can be simple. Yeah, yeah, and any of that. Um, Just validating the body is what it is. It's Mm, it's just looking at the body and and letting it speak. Um, I think doing that gets you really, really in, in touch with your own intuition and for me that's spirituality as well yeah um which I think you know when you when you have a really balanced relationship with your logic and your intuition that is an equilibrium for me because it's a perfect amount of being able to problem solve and analyze and and understand what's happening logically but also having the trust in in yourself but also just in in life and and the unknown um that it is all wrapped in love and it will be you know okay regardless and um it it spun me around to a point where I was so looking externally for trust and and looking for validation and and from other people Mm. you know I don't want you to do this to me and that's kind of a more surface level you know, but Mm -mm. in everything I was thinking, you know, how is that going to impact me? How can I trust that external, you know, whatever it is. Um, and, and it flipped from doing this practice because that balancing that intuition out made me see that it was a trust in myself that I needed. Yes. That it was regardless of what would happen externally. It's not about trusting that it won't happen. It's about trusting that I would be okay regardless. Mm because I have a balanced equilibrium. That is so powerful. And I just need to, I can't let this go without reflecting back to you, Mia, and anyone else that geeks out on this stuff, that Mia is totally in the spleen energy right now. Even when she discussed how logic has an important balance to to love and the process. And I mean, that is really talking about bridging the head to heart and both of those being super important to find that balance and the genius zone uh, to be able to see the full technicolor experience of our reality. And that's connected to this beautiful middle trapezius muscle that holds us really supportively in our posture to really face life with that balance of logic and love. I think you use different words, but you know what I mean? The, The head and the heart. And, and then you talked about this concept of validation because the spleen energy also pulls us back into trust and self-respect and the ability to validate self and find that compassion for self and empathy for self. And mm. as you say, you without that bridging of the head to the heart, you were externally trying to resource yourself with that validation. And, and so that equilibrium would not have felt equal. <laughs> yeah. There would have been a real roller coaster of experience because you didn't have that full trust in self. You didn't really trust in your capacity to be fortified in the world and um, totally. to, to, to trust in your toolkit. It's, mm. it's the coming home. It's the integration of experiences. And again, un- unless Mia has digested and welcomed and acknowledged all of the beauty, even though that would really rub people the wrong way of the emotional spectrum that you've been through, the digestion of them has allowed you to come home in that fortification of recognizing where validations 
comes from originates from where trust originates from and the benefit of the head and the heart moving you through life and Mm. you know Mia that's that's what I want for everyone like I want everyone to be able to particularly in this spiritual commodity and patriarchal bs to to find the importance of the logic and the love like Mm. that to me is a balanced expression um and there's so much room for that uh, and that's what I really respect about you and just witnessing the journey is incredible anyway back to you I um (laughs) I um (laughs) I think that um the reason why I said before it was you know the best thing that happened to me um and and why I was grateful for being in the Catholic Church and those kinds of things as well is because that real existential dread um in in that time period also shifted with my relationship with self you know my relationship with my spirituality with my relationship with god um became completely trusting as well wow and it almost stripped that um obviously not entirely Mm. um but it stripped a lot of that um noise that can uh, almost the dependence on needing that framework and and the beliefs and um a a structure for Mm. for what my faith looked like um when now I feel since having to process all that grief and um all that that fear of death as well that because you know I was kind of locked eyes with my own mortality Mm. for a while there it was someone my age um, Mm or around my age so it was a really pretty shattering thing to to go through um so my relationship with God of course would would shift with that um and I'm and I'm really grateful that it did shift in a way that became this almost a fluid um uh unwavering I can't really describe it just Mm. like a um unlimited relationship the it dogma is stripped away and you can yeah. now be discerning of what you take, what you leave. Perfect. You've got, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So you've moved from being obsessive around knowing, come into your heart, and now you are super discerning of what you can take from your upbringing and what you can take from mm. here and there, but you ultimately are the centre of mm. that processing through your own temple of what feels right. Yeah, I guess it's like a trust that it doesn't have to look a certain way or it doesn't have to, I don't have to act a certain way in order to have that relationship. It's going to be there regardless with myself and with God. Yeah, amazing. Mm. For someone to have faced mortality themselves, to have experienced complete shattering, uh, I mean, there's a legacy in all of this and I think the beauty of grief would be leaving you it's I mean we've already seen the legacy that it's left you with but I don't think we can ignore and again we don't want to like find meaning and the purpose of this for you but there's got to be a gift and a legacy for you to take from this in honor Mm. of your friend almost as well yeah absolutely what's the legacy that I mean there might not be words for it but like do you feel like there's some kind of I think that relationship um, with with myself and and that ability to trust was a real for me quite a legacy I yeah I don't think it quite has words no um I I do feel I was I was running from grief mm. my whole life because I knew it had that relationship with death of course mm-hmm. um and I had such a fear of death 
Um, so I didn't, even with clients for, you know, however long I was practicing, I, before that, I would really avoid going down the grief path because I couldn't talk about it. I didn't know what to say and I didn't have the wisdom there um, to give to, to clients. I didn't feel comfortable talking about it. So I just wouldn't. Mm. Um, so in a way, I, I am really grateful now that I've had that experience. I can almost relate to other people. You know, this is something that we're all going to have to experience at some point. Grief is it's inevitable. Um, yeah, so so I'm grateful that I have that connection to it and, and an understanding of why we have to grieve and um, the importance of it. You mentioned, or when I read out your bio, how your personal experiences really impact the way that you practice and work with clients and mm. hold space. I can't help but not recognize how integral your experience recently is for the benefit of your clients and, mm. you know, beyond consciousness, but that energetic realization and what you've kind of moved through. Tell me about moving into this practice of kinesiology. You're an incredible practitioner. Um, thank you. <laughs> tell me where kinesiology, whether it's from a client perspective or a kinesiology practitioner perspective, but where does kinesiology fit into this story for you? Now that I've got that shifted, you know, that masked ideology's been, you know, stripped away significantly. Um, I have a more fluid relationship with kinesiology where it's less about um, trying to heal someone and, and um, how that makes me look as a practitioner and building my business in that way. And it's now more of a oh, just the most amazing opportunity, I think, to support other people on that on that path that I was on too. And giving everyone's intuition everyone's natural instincts their bodies wisdom the validation that it deserves and, and the recognition mm. you know I think everyone everybody's slightly just with our um climate that we live in we're mm. all slightly disconnected from our intuition at the moment um so giving your body that that space and and holding space for it is such an opportunity mm. and a blessing it feels like such a blessing to be able to do that for other people and and see them and it feels like having a conversation with God because mm. it's like <laughs> it's, it's, it's sometimes it's so funny too some of the things people's bodies will come up with I think absolutely it's like people are hilarious but um yeah it really feels like a, a relationship with the with your body and their body and it's not logical. It, it doesn't make any real sense, you know, um, to the exterior. But once you do it and you do understand it in such yeah, a different yeah. way, um, yeah, and I'm completely addicted to it, I think. It's yeah. just so, yeah. Incredible. Such an opportunity. You're clearly passionate about kinesiology and uh, you are an incredible practitioner and for you listening, Mia is very, very grounded when she holds space for people, but she also has this, even though she's a Libra and she also has this very Aquarian energy and really meets the creative side of us and really holds that very instinctually, like the sacral energy, the creative energy, um, but in a very grounded way. So 
uh, she holds space beautifully. And I'm super excited because Mia is actually stepping into the Ignite space and she'll be working out of here uh, beginning August. So you'll be able to book in. You'll see that Mia is live on the website to be bookable. And so if you're really gelling with Mia's gorgeous energy, she is the most beautiful space holder and would would love to support you. So I'm excited to have you working at Ignite. I'm excited um, to work here. It's uh, certainly been an interesting space for you because but you've been both a mm. practitioner here on a few Sundays and seeing clients, but now you're coming in more of a, um, f- in a fuller way. Uh, and, uh, but you've been a client here too. Yeah. So it's really, it's really beautiful to, yeah. to have you here. Yeah. It's such a sanctuary here. I think it's such a um, blessing and opportunity to be able to work out of a place that I've really I've grown in mm. you know and and being able to um share that wisdom and and the the love that you've cultivated in this space is such a oh man a, like a, amazing opportunity yeah the legacy's been passed on who do you want to serve like what's your like I, I know that's a really hard question but... yeah yeah definitely not a particular type of person or anything um yeah not not a particular type of person but anyone that has a willingness to mm. to um heal or, or change or anything really mm. just a willingness mm. in general um yeah you'll meet you'll meet them I where think, they're at yeah that's um definitely where I hold the most space for you know find the easiest to hold space for people that have that um almost like a passion for for life mm. and, and growth but even then I, I think it takes a while to find that willingness sometimes and that's completely okay too. And we're lucky because kinesiology will just always meet you where you're at. Totally. You know, mm. and we'll just hold that space. So keep an eye out on social media. There might be some opening specials to, to come on board with mm. Mia as a client. She's amazing. Uh, and we'll certainly, you can learn more about Mia uh, on the website as well. So the final question, Mia, that I ask everyone that sits down and has a chat is the same so what what part of you did you once disown that you Mm. now embrace yeah I think this is such something I touched on a little bit earlier um but I when I first started um reassessing my spirituality after the you know Catholicism and going into that new age kind of um path Mm -hmm my own ego was something I completely disowned and I couldn't um I had this perception that we had to shed the ego and and this real misinterpretation of like Buddhism yeah Yeah. um yeah and it just was so counterproductive and that that ties back to my that loving awareness you know it's Mm -hmm. not I don't th- I don't think the the path to um that equilibrium it definitely doesn't look like trying to shed a part of yourself no I you're think right it looks like embracing it and and seeing it and validating it loving it um and just having an awareness of it and I think in that awareness when when you're aware that something is an act of your own ego and also being okay with it because you understand that it is your ego that is so much more expansive than oh well I'm not doing that because that would be an act of the ego but in doing in saying that that's also the so yeah I think that was something that I now embrace you know 
every kind of decision that I make, it's not judged by a, was that out of my truth? Or was that out of my ego? It's, it, it, either way. It's a belonging. It's, a, it belongs. Yeah. And just having an awareness of it is enough. Yeah. Letting go is the old way, you know, let go, die, rid, mm. shame versus mm. no, integrate it, let it belong, let it be here, let effort space, let it be Absolutely. seen and heard, let it be loved. Absolutely. That's, um. I think that it has a reason, you know, it has, it has a reason. to be there. And it's something to be grateful for too. Mm. You know, that's this is something that's kept us alive for ever is the, is the ego. So I think that's something we have to give it the respect it deserves and, and the love in order to, you know, move on from it. So you embrace your ego. You see the purpose. Mm. You are, see it's love. That's, that's, that's beautiful. That's profound and wise and a beautiful message. Mia, this has been an incredible conversation. And mm. as we know, you and I could talk for hours. Is there anything else on your heart that you want to share? Yes. Um I do want to want to tap back into that really acute phase of grief. Um, I think that process of, you know, that step-by-step process I was talking about of, you know, seeing and validating your emotions and that, I think that definitely comes with a lot of compassion and, Mm. and time as well. You know, time isn't, isn't really relevant because I think everyone when you lose someone that you love, it's, you're completely on your own there. It's every man for themselves. Right. And, and however you process it in your own experience of time is completely okay. And if that means you don't start that, you know, process that I was talking about of feeling your emotions and stuff till quite a while and, and you avoid it for ages, then that's something completely fine too Mm. and you have to look at that with a lot of compassion because that was what I did I avoided you know facing it for (laughs) months we We know about that too we definitely know about that what's going on there um but um but there's compassion for that response of yours isn't there absolutely yeah and it there's no other way no other way um I remember looking at that seven stages of grieving concept when I when, when she first died because I was just like yeah, let's get this over and done with like I, I you want to control it feeling this way yeah mm. totally I was trying to control it and I think that seven stages of grieving concepts a little bit um misleading in a way because I think the seven stages happen simultaneously I uh, it, it I don't think it's completely linear I think it's a cycle no, and right. and you know, there'll never be a day where you reach this full acceptance of someone you love dying it is the reality of it. Um, but I think, you know, it's, it's more so learning to be okay with that mm. and adapting to life without them mm. as much as that sucks. But I think that's the key, you know, it, it's, it's not, um, I guess it, it's almost like learning to love yourself the legacy grief. is love isn't it the legacy totally. is always love always love yeah absolutely um I think and yeah that avoidance thing I think it definitely takes time and mm. for me I think it, it it took quite a lot of I think for everyone it would take quite a lot of courage to begin that process of mm. all right let's look at what we're dealing with here because mm. you know it's so natural just to go on that complete avoidance and for me, it took um, watching my relationships around me start to 
crumble a little bit because I was doing all these quite um, self-sabotaging patterns and Mm. stuff that were coming up. So I was like, oh my God, okay. I don't want, you know, Mm. to lose more people around me. And Mm. I'm grateful for having that awareness. So I I really respect how you moved through it. It wasn't easy, but you did carve out time and um, show up for it. it you know it could have been there could have been a lot more avoidance what I love about our conversation and and what you just brought up there is really important we've turned a few massive concepts mm. upside down and the one you just did then was nuance mm. there is so much nuance in everyone's experience you know in the physiological world we'll call that bio-individual we have a bio-individual response to to our environment but same with all of these concepts everything that we've discussed has a nuance like no one can ever walk the same path and any prescriptive kind of process needs to be you know completely thrown in the air like the seven stages of grief mm. and I think when we appreciate that there is nuance in life that we can really return and be okay to how we're moving through it and turn down the noise around us that says we should be doing this and we should be doing that break up with the hooks of the audience around us telling us what mm. to do we shook up the nuance piece we shook up this idea of oh let's kill the ego let's just let go and move on versus integration and balance mm-hmm. there'll sit something a bit higher up in our discussion that we turn on its head and this is what I love about um the way you work and it's very similar to me and that um I think there's a there's a non-conformity I think the equilibrium thing is really big too the ability to feel safe to come back to the middle ground mm. Mm. to be safe in indifference and non-bias. And I think as a practitioner, that's highly important to hold mm. that point of indifference. Um, the paradox of the overlapping Venn diagram that both end, you know, everything can belong. You've really sat in the shit mm. <laughs> and you've let all these emotions digest through you, absorb through you. And I just want to just commend you with the difficult nature of doing that. Most people sprint and run as far and to, to be, mm you know, at, at an age that you are and to show up for that, I think the legacy is massive for you moving forward. So bravo, Mia. Thank you. And thanks so think, much for the willingness of being here and sharing it. Oh, well, I was going to say, I think I you're definitely a huge factor to thank as well in that process. I think having a someone to hold my hand through it at like a, a, a professional um, outlet in that way and the spiritual mentor and yeah it was just probably the most helpful and uh, yeah I'm speechless about my gratitude (laughs) over it so well it's easy to show up for as you said the willingness and um Mm. I commend you highly and uh you know I'll I'll be there I'll be there anytime so thanks everyone um let us know if there's anything that you want to explore more about this with me or I might get her on an Insta live or something like that. But this, I think has been a really powerful conversation and yeah, just hit us up if there's any, any, any other questions or concepts or anything else to explore. Cause it was super cool. We'll get Mia back on to discuss some more. So thanks for joining us and see you soon. Thank you. Bye. (laughs) 